0: Today, we bring you an episode from earlier this year that I think has grown only more important. It's about mental health care and one clinic's pioneering efforts to make it easier to access. As promising as all the recent vaccine news is, many of us are struggling with social isolation, financial stress, and the deaths of 300,000 of our fellow Americans. The mental toll of this pandemic is real. So, if there ever was a moment to focus on how to provide and pay for more mental health care, this seems like the time. Listen until the end of the episode for an update on psychiatrist Ebony Winford and her patient Robert. And please, stay safe this holiday season. A note to listeners that this episode includes mentions of suicide. I think I
1: just said, I took like a step back. Cause too much going on. Like what? With the virus. Mm-hmm. You know, worries me sometimes. Will I survive if I was to get it? Yeah. I don't want to try to get it. It's scary. Yeah. It's scary.
0: A lot of us are feeling scared about our health, our jobs, our families. The number of adults reporting symptoms of anxiety or depression has tripled since last year. Calls to some crisis lines have octupled. Overdoses are up too. Research shows many people in distress do not go on to get treated or even diagnosed. But for those who do, about half will turn to the doctors and nurses they already know.
2: Primary care is the de facto mental health system.
0: today meeting this rising tide by reimagining what mental health looks like inside the doctor's office. From the Anberg Studio at the University of Pennsylvania, I'm Dan Gorenstein, and this is Tradeoffs. It may sound strange to put much faith in primary care to meet our mental health needs. These practices, what New Yorker writer Atul Gawande calls medical general stores, often are overburdened and now with COVID are getting crushed financially. But the reason to think primary care practices may be able to respond to this demand for mental health care is because some already do.
2: Good morning, sunshine.
0: It's an approach often called integrated care. And compared to your usual checkup, visiting an integrated clinic can feel like peering through the looking glass.
2: Doing things a little bit differently today. I'm recording our, our patient's journey through the clinic. So this is
0: East Knox, one of the 24 primary right. care clinics run by Cherokee Health Systems, a large safety net provider in eastern Tennessee. Cherokee, a pioneer in this field, is considered a national leader.
2: All righty, we're getting started.
0: That's Dr. Ebony Winford. I have
2: that shirt. Yeah. Okay. You can sit wherever you want to, like we normally do. Okay. So... How has your mood been?
0: Ebony's patient, Robert, sits down. He's asked that we not use his last name. The 53-year-old has diabetes, depression, arthritis, two artificial hips, and multiple sclerosis. He's here to get his meds checked and what Robert calls a tune-up.
1: I've been dealing in Cherokee going on, I think, 12, about 12 years.
0: Robert and Ebony have worked together about half that time and have agreed to let us listen in on their visit.
1: So,
2: how has your mood been since the last time we met last week?
1: Still dealing with depression. I don't go around my mama that much no more. Really, we talk on the phone, but, you know, she's into it social distancing big so I got mm-hmm. to respect that mm-hmm. but you know I really it hurts a lot it don't really hurt it's kind of sad that you know I don't get to pop up like I want to and all that
2: and you know we've talked about how like the more we try to avoid or distract right.
1: ourselves from things the more taking that mask off uh-huh you gotta take mm-hmm. that mask off sometime you can't mm-hmm. wear that mask off it will kill you
0: Robert is talking about wearing a figurative mask, not the COVID
1: kind.
2: Emotionally, physically, yeah, all to, that. Trying, trying to pretend, to pretend everything's okay.
1: Like you okay. Mm-hmm. You ain't Yeah.
2: What's the plan for the week? Come on in.
0: Hey. Here you go. Your
2: hydroxyzine's not in here. Have you picked it up?
0: We That's up the nurse, 30, Sheila, here with Robert's meds for the week.
1: And I went over there and they said, they ain't feeling yet. Yeah, they sent the thing up there.
2: Okay,
1: I'll call him and
2: ask him. Okay. All right, Thanks. see ya. Mm-hmm. Um, what about, like, your diabetes and stuff? How have your numbers been?
1: I don't feel bad until, like, 350 or something like that, and then I know because I feel my feet and... Tingling? Yeah. What's the lowest it was? One time it was 68. That's, that's pretty low,
2: low sir. <laughs> that, that's when it
0: was... Robert and Ebony time- talk for a few minutes more.
2: All righty, we will see you next week. Mm, I'll see you later. Okay, bye.
0: So what exactly was that visit? A checkup? An exam? A therapy session? That is precisely the point. It's all of those at the same time. What we just heard is integrated care in action. And many see it as critical to meeting the needs of this moment. Needs that people like Dr. Perinda Khatri, Cherokee's chief clinical officer, don't think we can meet just doing things the old way.
3: In many cases, people stay in therapy for years and years. And it can be useful for a lot of people. But we also have to recognize that there are many people suffering. And they don't necessarily want this traditional specialty therapy model.
0: Lots of people shy away from seeking out that type of care, worried about the stigma it carries. Others can't get it, even if they want it. Half of U.S. counties lack a single psychologist or psychiatrist. Cherokee's solution, something they've worked at for nearly 40 years, is to reimagine mental health care. Bye-bye hour-long visits, couches, and questions about your mother hello to speed.
2: I see patients in about 20 minutes or so. To collaboration. At the beginning of every morning, the team gets together to discuss the patients on the schedule.
0: To responsiveness. Nine
2: times out of ten, I can see you today.
0: And to flexibility.
2: Everything's interruptible, like nothing's sacred space, right? Like there's always a knock on the door.
0: Ebony is a psychologist, but Cherokee calls her a behavioral health consultant, or BHC. And she's in the middle of everything, like Literally.
2: The interesting part about where my office is is that it's smack dab between a series of exam rooms, medical exam rooms. So my office wall is shared with an exam room. Directly in front of me are one, two, three, four exam rooms there.
0: There's an analogy Ebony likes to use to explain the difference between what she does at Cherokee and what her colleagues do in traditional therapy. For
2: people I train, I usually liken it to firefighter versus arson investigator. When your house is in fire, you don't need the arson investigator to figure out how it started. You need some water. Like you need a firefighter to spray that thing down and make the fire stop. I'm not gonna come in as an arson investigator in a primary care exam room. I'm gonna come in with my water hose and say, all right, you're in crisis or you're just having a bad day. Let's make a plan and we can go deeper if we need to.
0: A lot of us could benefit from a firefighter right about now. Parents and kids stressed about the fall, seniors grappling with isolation, millions out of work, worried about making rent. An important part of Ebony's job is teaching people how to put out these fires for themselves like an exercise she uses to help Robert and her other patients fend off negative thoughts like I'm a failure or I'm dumb, a concept called diffusion.
4: It's
2: this idea that we think that our thoughts are reality just because our brain created them. And I have him repeat to himself, I'm a lemon. I'm a lemon. I'm a lemon. I don't care how many times you try to convince me you're a lemon, you will never become a lemon, even though your brain made the thought that you're a lemon. And he'll come back and tell you, he was like, man... I was starting to think this and I was like, ain't a lemon, <laughs> you know? And I'm like, no, you're not a lemon. Good job. Whatever that thought was, it's not true just because you had it.
0: This all is Cherokee's version of integrated care. The work goes by lots of names and comes in many flavors. One of the most popular alternatives called collaborative care has produced the lion's share of evidence on integration with more than 80 randomized trials. The bottom line, integrated care works. Its greatest impact is on patients with both mental and medical illnesses. Ebony and Robert have seen that firsthand.
2: All these years we've worked together, we've always had this pattern. When your mood is down,
1: what gets down? Diabetes go up and mood swings and just just feel like a uh, mush.
0: This may sound obvious, but mental and physical well-being are intertwined, and research shows that mental health problems can make physical ones much harder and more expensive to manage, and that is why integrated care has been shown to improve health for patients like Robert and cut costs. The actuarial firm Milliman estimates that integrating care for patients with both medical and mental illnesses around the country could save between 40 and $70 billion in spending
2: Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com,
5: code LISTEN.
0: On today's show, we're asking the question, can primary care offices meet the nation's growing tsunami of mental health needs? Let's consider why there's at least some reason for optimism. In the 1990s, most primary care clinics had little to offer patients in crisis. No ebonies. Most docs were left to battle their own blazes. Docs like Whitney Slade.
6: It was an elderly woman.
0: Back then, Whitney ran a practice 400 miles down the road from Cherokee in Memphis.
6: She literally pulled a gun out, um, pointed it at herself, pulled the trigger...
0: The chamber was empty.
6: And, and the husband said, thank God. And the first thing he did was he loaded her in the car, brought her over to my office.
0: Whitney outlined the options, none of them good.
6: Basically, all we could do was, you know, call an ambulance, which they didn't want to do. They, they didn't want the embarrassment of, of an ambulance, you know, coming to get her or having the police take her away.
0: He could prescribe antidepressants, but he knew those could make things worse.
6: So, you know, what what I ended up saying is, you know, I, I don't have anybody that I can call for you right now, so I'm basically going to have to take my finger and point, you know, the psychiatric hospital's that way. I hope you get admitted.
0: The psychiatric hospital eventually admitted Whitney's patient, but in the middle of her crisis, the healthcare system came up short. Twenty years later, the episode still haunts Whitney.
6: It makes me feel like a failure. Uh, because the best I could do was listen to this extremely dramatic story that was upending this family um, and say, I'm sorry.
0: Cases like this, where patients get rushed or referred to long wait lists, still happen all around the country, but they're less common. Since the 1990s, more practices have embedded firefighters like Ebony, and earlier this year, even Whitney's office added
6: one. To me, it's like a sigh of relief, knowing that behavioral health is there. It's, it's uh, night and day.
0: And it's not just in Tennessee. University of Massachusetts psychologist Sandy Blunt says you find at least some practices marrying medical and mental health care in every single state in the country. Today, federal health officials back the idea with hundreds of millions in grants. And so do major professional groups like the American Medical
5: Association. I mean, this is the most conservative, biggest medical outfit out there. And they're talking to people about how to run their practices. And behavioral health is a part of it. And that, says Andy,
0: is a very different conversation than back in the 90s, when blazes like Whitney's were burning.
5: The message then was why you should do it. Now, we're really talking about how you should do it
0: how you should do it in some ways that's a much harder conversation today a little less than half 44 percent of practices have at least a behavioral health provider on site according to a study published earlier this year most experts suspect a much smaller fraction offer truly blended care the kind backed by all the evidence To understand why integration has not spread further, faster, it helps to trace Cherokee's nearly 40-year journey. First, there was the matter of finding all those firefighters.
3: If you look at our workforce and you look at our training programs, people are, to a large extent, still trained in silos.
0: When Perinda joined Cherokee, she remembers how often they'd strike out and end up with providers who just didn't get primary care.
3: So about 17 years ago, we started a psychology internship program. We started a postdoctoral fellowship program. We've started working with medical residents because we recognize we're not going to naturally get the workforce that we need. We have to help grow the workforce that we need.
0: That postdoctoral fellowship program is what drew Ebony to Cherokee. And once she got there, she says she had to adjust.
2: I had to learn the primary care workflow. And that's a huge, huge, huge growing curve because primary care is fast-paced. So I shadow medical providers just learning. How do they ask questions? When do they tag in a behavioral health provider? How quickly or how slowly do they move? Like that tells me where I need to be. Training programs
0: have started to adapt. About half of the nation's psychology programs offer students some exposure to primary care, and there are a few dozen fellowships. For physicians, the majority of family medicine residents do some training in integrated care clinics. But even if every program embraced integrated care, Sandy says we'd still come up short.
5: We're never going to meet the need with doctoral psychologists or clinical social workers or marriage and family therapy clinicians To
0: have any kind of shot at meeting this moment, experts say we need to think more broadly about who can do this work. Some places, even Cherokee, are adding new kinds of team members, like community health workers and peer specialists. Others are giving new skills to the workers they already have.
5: Navigators, community health workers, case managers, all of these folks who are not clinicians but have extended contact with the patient. They can learn to use language that will activate patients to take better care of their health.
0: It's an idea that other countries, often out of necessity, have embraced, that with the right training and supervision, people with less formal education can still have a big impact. Of course, all this training requires money, and money, really reimbursement, is the second hurdle to seeing this work spread. Perinda says historically, Medicare, Medicaid, and private insurers have made it a bear-to-bill, complicated at best, impossible at worst. Some rules have started to change, and Perinda's glad for that, but there are still plenty of headaches.
3: There have been barriers after barriers after barriers.
0: For example, some insurers have adopted special billing codes for integrated care, others have not.
3: So it's really a hodgepodge. So it's hard to transform a model when there's so much fragmentation in how people get paid.
0: Cherokee has been able to piece together enough of the right kinds of contracts to make their model work, but a recent study in the Annals of Internal Medicine found that only three of 30 integrated practices had positive financial returns. Harvard economist Richard Frank says the field should assume major payment changes are not coming. But he still sees a way to make it work. Build a cheaper model.
4: Well, the thing that is striking about Cherokee is they've accomplished what we'd like to have done in many respects. But they remind me very much of having sort of a specialty boutique in a high-priced mall. And that's not the same thing as being able to go and get comparable services or similar services at a Walmart.
0: Here's one expensive part of this work, all the back-end functions, hiring and training new staff, reconfiguring health records, doing battle with those billing offices. Richard says he's excited about a new crop of private companies that remotely rent the services and even staff required, especially for smaller, more rural practices.
4: It opens up some new approaches that might make it easier and more economical for practices to engage in this.
0: With COVID raging and mental health needs soaring, the case for scaling integrated care has never seemed clearer. So what's it going to take to spur more action? Some advocates think stories are the best bet.
2: I think everybody just needs to meet Robert. And once they hear Robert's story, they're like, oh, yeah, I want to do that.
0: When you say they need to meet Robert, they need to know Robert's story. What is Robert's story? He was a person whose house was ablaze.
2: And he walked out of the fire with just a few burns.
0: Robert's had his share of fires, but one that stands out happened in 2018. Ebony had been working with Robert on and off when he needed it for a few years by then. She'd gotten to know him and his conditions well. Like clockwork. And the telltale sign that his depression was flaring up.
2: If Robert misses an appointment, that's when we know something's wrong.
0: So that winter, when Robert missed three appointments in a row fire alarms started clanging in Ebony's head.
2: I knew Robert had had suicidal ideation before, and I knew that Robert had attempted suicide before. In fact, that's how Robert and I first met. Um, he had overdosed on a bottle of, of medications,
0: and that's where my mind was going. And Robert's mind was heading there too, especially on nights when he drank too much.
1: Because I was really depressed, just sitting at home crying and I was mad at people trying to, when you when you in depression you get mad at people even trying to help you because you get to being so used to being depressed that you don't really want to come out, you want to be depressed. I was one click away from pushing the real button and that's button of no return.
2: We're all very, very, very worried, and um, we had sent letters. We had called people we thought to call. And finally, I said, you know what? I'm calling his mom.
1: They done ratted me out to my damn mama.
2: We did snitch. No shame. We snitched. And I told mom, I said, um, he doesn't even have to call. Just tell him to show up.
0: Two days later, he did just that.
1: I knew I had to come back in. I had to come. It was just... Fighting the progress.
0: Ebony's glad she knew the signs and acted on them when she did. But she's even more glad to see the progress Robert's made since then, using his tools to spot sparks and snuff them out.
1: Sometimes I get down and depressed again, and I call Ebony and tell her, No, I need a tune-up. Y'all come in and get me a tune-up.
2: He's good about recognizing when that cycle's starting again. And I think that helps prevent these infernos. So if he, you know, if the bush outside the house burned, he's like, oops, before this burns my house, let me go get some water. And I think he's learned that about himself.
0: He's so confident, so convinced now, says Ebony, that he's become a sort of neighborhood smoky bear, preaching to all his friends and family, letting them know that they too can prevent a fire if they just get some primary care.
1: I try to take what I learned here and help other people with it, you know? You, you really need help, that's what I tell them.
0: And if you tell them enough times, Roberts learned eventually people might just hear you. People like his girlfriend, who he brought to the visit today.
1: I've been trying to get her down here for a long time. She finally decided to come today.
0: <laughs> one by one, house well, by house. That's the only way Robert sees to save the whole forest.
1: That's the only way you go bring about change. People stop and pay attention when he tells them to beware. Cause everybody knows that he's the fire preventing bear.
0: We caught up with Ebony on December 11th, about five months after we last spoke with her. She says Robert is doing well, both physically and mentally. Doing one of the things that he likes best, volunteering helping out at a local food pantry. As for Ebony, she's stressed. Cherokee has relied on certain waivers to fund telephone visits for their many patients who don't have the data plans or internet speeds needed for video visits, and those waivers could expire soon. In-person visits are tough in Knox County, where Ebony practices, with the COVID positivity rate hovering around 25%. So Ebony and her colleagues are scrambling. From iPads to Wi-Fi hotspots, she says even their backup plans have backup plans. Whatever it takes, Ebony says stopping services is not an option. I'm Dan Gorenstein, and this is Trade-Offs.
4: If you enjoyed today's episode of Tradeoffs, consider a contribution to support the work we do. Every gift we receive is doubled thanks to a match in effect through the end of the year. Go to tradeoffs.org to make your gift now. This episode was produced by Leslie Walker and Andrew Perella with help from Ryan Levy and Jamie Song. The Tradeoffs theme song was composed by Ty Sitterman. Additional music this episode from Eddie Arnold and the U.S. Forest Service, Oliver Wallace, Chucky Brown, Silicone Transmitter, White Wolf, and Blue Dot Sessions. This episode was produced as part of a series on health workforce issues funded by the California Healthcare Foundation. Additional thanks to Ben Miller, Denise Ordway, and journalists Resource at Harvard's Shorenstein Center on Media, Politics, and Public Policy. Phoebe Wallace, Peggy Chen, Garrett Moran, Judy Ann Jones, Sarah Farley, Kathy Groose, Kathy Grew, Doug Tynan, Alex Ross, Scott Kodish, Diane Powers, Heather Klosaritz. Kyle Grazier, Angela Beck, Greg Simon, and the TradeOffs Advisory Board. Thanks also to all our listeners who helped to support our work, including Margot Sanger-Katz and Almetta Russell. TradeOffs is supported in part by the California Healthcare Foundation, Arnold Ventures, and the Robert Wood Johnson Foundation. Additional support from the Leonard Davis Institute of Health Economics and the Center for Public Health Initiatives at the University of Pennsylvania. The views expressed in this episode are those of the individuals and not those of trade-offs staff, advisors, or funders.
3: Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things.